The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. I'm so thrilled that you're here today because one of the things that I want to do in your life is to set you up for success. There is nothing that gives me a greater thrill than to seeing people doing life well. You know, when, when, when I hear of people, you know, just accomplishing great things, I, I just rejoice in that. I just get so thrilled with that. When, when I see families that are together and enjoying life, that, that's such a big thrill for me. Last night, we were able to celebrate my niece and nephew's 21st. So uh, I've got a niece and nephew that are twins. And um, Olivia and Ben, they're twins. And, um, but, you know, one, one of the disappointments is that they didn't name the twins the way that I wanted to name them. And so uh, I wanted to name my girl niece. I wanted to name her Denise. And, um, and then when my sister said, well, that's what you're going to name the girl. What about the, the, the boy? And I said, well, if we're going to name the girl Denise, we'll name him the nephew. And, but they didn't do that. It was Ben and Olivia. Uh, sorry, it's an uncle joke, not a, a dad joke, that one. Uh, and, uh, but just to see them celebrate their 21st last night and just to see how well they're doing, it just brought me so much joy. It's just, it's, it's fantastic just to see people doing life well, especially when there are challenges and people do life well. It's great. I love when, when people celebrate wedding anniversaries. It's great. I, I, I love it when people celebrate their 45th birthday, Matt Cross, on Friday. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's just great. To see people doing life well. It's great when, when people like John McLennan have dedicated one day a week to serve in church. And so this year, John's on staff on Tuesdays. And, and I love seeing that. I love seeing people progress. I, I, I love the fact that the Ollis family are involved and, and the children are getting involved. And, and, and I just love seeing people progressing and doing well. And that's what pastoring for me is all about. I, I, I love the challenges that arise in doing the journey because sometimes things are not perfect in lives. Do you understand that? That sometimes there is sickness and there are challenges. But I love the fact that we can navigate with people, navigate life so that we do it together. And, you know, sometimes things do go wrong. Sometimes things do fall apart. Sometimes it looks like disaster is everywhere. But that's when we need one another to stand with each other. And to do life together as family is so powerful. And I'm so glad that you're here because we're going to do life together. And this year, the, the, the whole series that I'm going to be talking about this year is how you can walk in success, how you can be successful, how you can do life better. And, and when we get to this end, end of 2016 and I see you having done life better, I'm going to be one happy pastor.
So let's, let's open up the scriptures to Daniel chapter 2 and continue what we started last week on Daniel's principles to success. Because Daniel's one of my favorite heroes in the Bible. Is anybody else like Daniel besides me? In the Old Testament, two of my great heroes is Joseph and Daniel. And one, and one of the reasons why I like them so much is because they faced adversity, but were able to succeed in the face of adversity. Yeah, I, life's easy to do if there's no adversity. How many of you have discovered that? When everything's going well, life's easy. What happens when there's adversity? Well, that's when we need to put into practice the principles that God has placed in this book. And so the story in Daniel chapter 2 is the day that Daniel was facing death. Have you ever been in a place where you face death? Well, Daniel's death was that there was a decree given out by King Nebuchadnezzar that all these people that were in the vocation that Daniel was in were sentenced to death and they were going to be killed and they were going to cut him to pieces. And, and so they came knocking on Daniel's door. This is, you can read about this in Daniel chapter 2. And then Daniel puts together some principles that lead him to succeed. And so I want to start off by reading the success of Daniel chapter 2. Then we'll go into the challenges and we'll understand the principles. But in Daniel chapter 2 verse 46... Let, let me read the end of the story, and then we'll get to the beginning. Okay, we'll do it differently. You ready for this? Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the king of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you... Could since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts, and he made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Wow. That's, how many of you know that's one success story? Especially when just a few days previously he's facing death, and then a few days later he's made the ruler of Babylon. What, what, what happened here? Well, l- let me give you the background to the story. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. It's a frightening dream. And he wanted to get the interpretation of the dream. But he kind of felt that just to give people the dream and then they can make up an interpretation isn't what he wanted. And so this was the deal. I want you Not only to give me the interpretation of the dream, but I want you to tell me what the dream was. And if you can tell me what the dream was, then then I'll believe that you've got the interpretation. And all the wise men of Babylon are saying, are you kidding me? Tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. And and the king says, no, I'm not interested in telling you the dream. I want you to tell me what I dreamed and then give me the interpretation. And what's more, if you don't do it, we'll kill all of the wise men of, uh, of Babylon. How many think that's an incredible challenge? Well, so, so Daniel and, uh, and his mates were part of, that was their job, you know, the interpretation of dreams and, and astrology and all that sort of stuff in Babylon. And so on this particular day, well, um, the decree went out in verse 13 and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to, keep them, to kill them. This is in verse 13. 
And so this is what Daniel did then when he's facing this challenge. These, I'm going to share with you Daniel's three principles of success when facing this sort of adversity. And so verse 14, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So what we looked at first was the end of the story. This is the beginning of the story. But in the beginning of the story, I want to share with you the three principles that Daniel used here to bring solution to his huge problem. Are you ready for this? The three principles of success that Daniel used was this. He made, let, let me give them to you first and then I'll expand on them. This is what he did. Number one, he made wisdom his mentor. Number two, he made time his friend. And number three, he made prayer his companion. And you say, what does it say that? Okay, so, so he's confronted with Ariel, the captain of the guard. And the Bible says in verse 14, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch. I love that with counsel and wisdom. Daniel knew how to make wisdom his mentor. This is the big question for all of us. How do we make wisdom our mentor? Because too many people make something else their mentor. They make wrong things. And, and a mentor is someone who gives you advice. A mentor is someone that comes alongside you and helps you to navigate through life. We need wisdom to help us navigate through life. That's what Daniel did before he answered Arioch. He says, then with counsel, it's like with, with the person of counsel and wisdom, with the mentor of counsel and wisdom, he answered Arioch. Now, you know, this is what I've discovered in life, that too many people have made the wrong things their mentor. How many of you know that a lot of people make fear their mentor? The first reaction to a challenge is to respond with fear. Now, the manifestation of fear is always fight or flight. How many of you know that? So what fear does, it brings either fight or flight. And so many people respond to life with fear as their mentor. And so they're either fighting or flighting. They're either fighting or they're running away rather than making wisdom their mentor. And I'll tell you how to make wisdom your mentor in a few moments. Other people make anger their mentor. And anger is, is unresolved stuff from your past that sits there just boiling away under the surface. And so many people have all these exposed triggers that, that as soon as adversity comes to your life, it, it triggers something and your response is anger. Anger, anger. I tell you, it's just a horrible thing to have an AVO on your name. An AVO. And, and, and there are so many men that have got AVOs, and the AVOs are against their family. And, and I get to the point where they say, 
hang on, you started this, I'll love you until death do us part, and now, and now you've got an AVO against you. What happened to create that? Well, let me tell you, anger becomes the mentor in their life, not wisdom. And anger connected to unresolved things from your past is such a destructive force. Here for others, shame becomes their mentor. What a horrible thing when shame is the thing that constantly advises you in life. Shame tells you what to do. And let me tell you the first word that shame tells you, go and hide. Separate yourself from people. Go away, run, hide. Go somewhere else and start a fresh life somewhere else where nobody knows you. Why is that? Because shame is your mentor. And shame is speaking to you. And shame is advising your life. And can I just say, there are so many people that live life being mentored by shame. And shame is always connected to unresolved stuff from your past. And I want to say to you that in Jesus, there's resolution to all that. He came to take away your shame. He came to take away your pain. He came to give you answers to your past so that you can start afresh without bringing all the junk of the past into your life. With some people, insecurity is their mentor. What a horrible thing to have insecurity as your mentor. Why is that? Because you've always got to prove it to everybody. You go through life proving yourself rather than being humble. Insecurity causes you to be full of pride and say stupid things because insecurity, is it's all about me. It's not about others. And so people live life trying to lift themselves up. And in lifting themselves up, they push others down. It's all about me. Come on, let's, let's not be so judgmental and insecure that we're always giving a negative report about everybody. What a horrible way to live life. When all you, whenever you open your mouth, you're pulling others down. You're, you're just pushing others down. And you know what? I tell you, I hate this about social media and, and, and about uh, all of the rags and the magazines that are out there that are just full of gossip and pulling others down. It's like, oh yeah, this celebrity looked to be so good, but now she's fat and ugly. Doesn't that make you feel better about yourself? Hang on. So I got to put someone else down to feel better about myself? Is that the way that it works? See, that's all tied in with insecurity. See, if you're secure about yourself, you, you can find good in others. You can talk about, about others. Matter of fact, you're always talking about what the people around you have done, not about what you have done. But when you're insecure, you're always talking about how you are the best and how you are awesome. You know why? Because in the back of your mind, you really don't believe it. And you've got to convince yourself and others. To become secure, to, have, to be secure is such a wonderful thing. And you know what? It took me ages to get to a sense of security. I, I don't believe that I started ministry as secure as I am now. I, I think as a young man, where you're trying to make a name for yourself and whatever, you, you know, you say silly things and you do silly things. It's a wonderful thing to get to be 56 years of age. It's a wonderful thing to be in ministry 35 years. It's a wonderful thing to have a track record. 
It's a wonderful thing. It literally creates security. So I don't need for you to call me Pastor John. If you want to, that's fine. But I'm not going to demand it of you. I don't need for you to respect me. If you do, that's a wonderful thing. But I don't demand it from you. Why is that? Because when you become secure, you don't make demands. You just rest in that. But insecurity, when it becomes your mentor, it's savage because it always put people down in order to lift yourself up. Don't make insecurity your mentor. Okay. You say, well, who do you make your mentor? Make wisdom your mentor. You say, well, well, how do you make wisdom your mentor? Just ask this question. What would wisdom do in this situation? What's the wise thing to do in this situation? He said, well, I don't know. Well, think of a wise person. Is there anyone in your life that walks in wisdom? He said, I don't know. Well, there should be. There should be. Maybe, what about your connect group leader? What, what about one of your leaders in the church? What, what about people that, whose life matches up? You know, I, I look to people like that, especially in my younger days when I was, you know, just navigating life, I would look to the people that I considered, you know what? You are where I want to be. Matter of fact, you've accomplished what I want to accomplish. And I made those people my heroes. Hey, you can't go wrong with making Jesus your hero. And so consequently, we would always ask the question, what would Jesus do? But you know, one of the difficulties I find with that was that Jesus was perfect. And so what would Jesus do is really hard to identify with. I need sometimes flesh and blood people that have challenges that the imperfect people have with and and just see their navigation. And what would they do in a scenario like that? And I find that by asking that question, it stops you in your tracks and says, wow, hang on here. That decision I was going to make is not what Mr. Wise Man or Mrs. Wise Man or Ms. Wise Man would have done. Here's here's another thing to do if you want to make wisdom your mentor. Ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God who gives without reproach. You know, when I first started ministry 35 years ago, that was my constant prayer, and it still is today. I say, Lord, give me wisdom. I need wisdom to lead your people. I need wisdom. When I get up in front of you and, and I get the privilege and opportunity of having you listen to me for 35 minutes, I value that. I don't take that for granted. Your time is valuable and when you give it and you've got me in front of you. I don't want to just give you a couple of funny stories and a few funny jokes because they're not that funny anyway. You know, the uncle jokes or dad jokes. My daughter says, keep away from that dad and just keep preaching the word. Yeah, You do better at that because it's an impartation of wisdom. I want you to get some meat and some stuff that you can put into practice that makes your life better. And so, so... My prayer constantly is, Lord, give me wisdom that I might impart it to your people that they all might do life better. Here's another thing that will, that will cause wisdom to be your mentor. Read and study. Come on, read and study. Read some books of people that have done well in life, that have made some successful principles. Book of Daniel's. Great. Yeah, I'm studying it afresh. I, man, I tell you, Daniel's been my hero since Sunday school days when I was a baby, when I was a kid in church. Daniel's in the, Daniel in the lines then. What a great story that was. But still, even to this day, I can draw new truths and new revelations out of the book of Daniel because there's so much wisdom there. The book of Proverbs. Everybody say the book of Proverbs. 
How many of you know that's a book of wisdom? Here it is. Hey, I'm just so thrilled to hear that a lot of you took my 40-day challenge last week. I just love that. 40-day ch- For those of you that weren't here, last week we did a 40-day challenge of reading one chapter of the Bible per day. And a lot of people have been doing that. But you know, one of the things that I did for many, many years is that I would read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Now, Proverbs has 31 chapters, so it breaks down pretty well to have at least a chapter or you get you know, towards the end and you might have four or five to read if it's um, February 28th, but, but normally it's only one extra and it's the Proverbs 31 chapter, especially great for you women, but um, it's good for the men as well to read Proverbs 31. But the point is this, that there's so much wisdom there. There's so much wisdom locked up there. And for you to imbibe that into your spirit is only going to do you a lot of good. So, so read books of uh, actions of wise people and just expose yourself to what wise people do. Stay away from the media because they're filled with people that do stupid things. And their lives reflect stupidity. Read the books of people that have done great things, accomplished great things. Not just, you know, not just the celebrity figures whose lives are a mess. I'm now, that's overgeneralization. I can't say every celebrity. But let me tell you, there's a, there's a lot whose lives are a mess. You don't want to follow their wisdom because their wisdom has led them to destruction. You want to follow the people whose lives together and who lives bring honor. So he's Daniel's first principle of success is that he made wisdom his mentor. Let me tell you his second principle of success. He made time his friend. So, so he did not have the answer right there on the spot when Ariok came, came knocking. So he made wisdom his mentor. Then he made time his friend and he says, hang on here. I just need a bit of time. I don't have the answer right now. So I need time. How many of you know this? That I can almost prophesy that a lot of your bad decisions you rushed into. So this is what happens. There's there's two extremes for people that make bad decisions. They either rush into them or they so procrastinate that they run out of time and then they jump into whatever is convenient at the time. And so you've either... You, you've, and so all that you've done is made time your enemy. You've, you've either abused time at this end or you abuse time at that end. And wisdom says, make time your friend. Take time with your decisions. God gives us time. And so make time your friend. Don't make it your enemy. Don't abuse time by rushing or wasting or procrastinating. There's a chapter in the Bible, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that talks about time and puts it into its right perspective. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And it just says, look, there's time for things. Just don't abuse time. Don't waste time. I had someone... yeah. Um, Talking to me the other day, I was, um, I, was, I was in a shop waiting for Anne, and he says to me, he says, oh, you're killing a bit of time. And I said, no. I said, I never kill time. I always use time. I said, I, and, and, and he says, oh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. 
We don't kill time. We use time. Or you can waste time. Or you can abuse time. But when you make time your friend, you're always doing something with time that is benefiting you. Even resting is using time appropriately. You say, but when your wife is shopping and you're waiting for her, what can you do with that? Well, I use my time to show her what a great husband I am. You say, what? Yeah, because part of what Anne needs is me giving her time. And so I'm not killing it. I'm not wasting it. I'm not abusing it. I'm giving it to her. And she says, wow, I love my husband. Takes me shopping and patiently waits for me to change. And so I see all these guys, you know, they've they've got men's chairs in a lot of ladies' shopping centers. And you see these guys just dying. It's just dying. And I just sit there patiently. My understanding is I'm not wasting time. I'm giving it to my wife. And it's gaining me points all the time. Under in, in her clock, I'm I'm getting ding 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 ding. All these points mounting up. I'm thinking that's a great investment of time. Come on, man! Don't you never waste your time when you give it to your wife. You're actually increasing the love bank enormously. That was free. Some of you ladies nudge your husband and say, "Listen to Mr. Wise Man over there. He's helping you." Can I just say that timing is everything in life? Timing is everything. And for you to be in the right place at the right time opens up opportunities for you that you would miss otherwise. And what happens with a lot of people is that they become impatient with time. You know, the Bible is filled with people that have become impatient with time and missed their opportunities. Abraham, the father of the faith, was, was, was one of these people that got impatient with time. God gave him a promise saying, you'll have a son of promise. And it just didn't happen after the first year, the second year, the third year. It didn't happen. So what Abraham did is that rather than waiting for God's timing, he preempted God and tried to make it happen. And by making it happen, he brought Ishmael into the world. That wasn't necessarily what God wanted. God then created destiny and purpose for Ishmael. But it was like Abraham triggered something because he got tired of time. Wow. How many of you know that there's some things that you've been praying for for a long time and you've just got to keep praying and keep turning up and keep being there? I, I, you know, you know, coming here to this church 20 years ago for me was just an amazing thing because I was in, in the Philippines at that time, having heard from God about my future was in God's hands, but not having the answer to the situation and getting really impatient that it wasn't happening. And then we were in the right place at the right time. For the doors to open. And when they opened, it was God leading us to this church 20 years ago. And next month, we're going to be talking about some of the incredible things that this church has accomplished in the last 20 years because God's timing was perfect and we walked in it 
and great partnership happened. You know, for me, the right timing to go to Bible school and Anne's right timing to go to Bible school, where our two lives merged because we both heard from God, got the timing right. If, if I'd missed the timing and was maybe four years later, Anne would have gone through, graduated, I would have missed her. But because the timing was right, our paths crossed and there was the divine appointment set up by God because we got the timing right. And can I just say to you, don't rush into things, don't procrastinate with things, make time your friend and it all works out. How many of you remember an old song many, many years ago that we used to sing called In His Time? The, the, it was a very simple song. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you do just what you say in your time. Make time your friend, not your enemy. Third thing that Daniel did. Are you getting something out of this? So he made wisdom his mentor. He made time his friend. And the third thing he did, he made prayer his companion. So he comes into the house with Daniel, with his companions. And he says, come on, let's pray about this. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah's companions that they might seek mercies from God of heaven concerning this secret. So Daniel and his companions might not perish. So they prayed. Come on. This is, this is Daniel's third principle. Keep prayer very close to your side. Can I just spend a couple of minutes talking about this? Because to make prayer your companion means that there's various ways of connecting with this companion. You know, how many of you got companions? You got companions that you do life with, and, and sometimes you've got your deep and meaningfuls. But you know what? You don't have to have deep and meaningfuls all the time. And and I wish someone had told me that, because when you know when I was sort of developing, prayer was very stringent, and you know when when I was a kid, you could only pray on your knees. That was the deal, and so we used to have these prayer meetings that would go for an hour and a half. And as a kid on your knees for an hour and a half, let me tell you, that was an ordeal. And it was like you get fidgety, but you're on your knees. You know, it was the way that the prayer meetings went. It was on your knees. You prayed on your knees. And, and what that can tend to do is leave such a negative impact upon your life that you can almost sort of veer away from that. Come on. I, I want you to understand that prayer can be a companion that does life with you on many different angles. And, and, and what happens with a companion is that they're there at beck and call whenever. And if you're aware of that, you can quickly just say a word, just a greeting, just an admonition, something, because prayer is your companion. When Paul says pray without ceasing, you know what he was saying? Not 24-7, you've got to be talking to God. He's just saying be with prayer 24-7. Have it as your companion where, where you can just utter a word of prayer at any given time. You know, now, when, when we're talking about prayer, we're not just talking about petitioning God. We're talking about worshipping God. We're talking about adoring God. I tell you, you know, it gets very boring if every time someone talks to you, they just want something from you. They're just demanding stuff from you. 
And I think God can be like that. If every time we talk to God, we just go to him, God, I want this, and God, I want that, and God, I'm just praying for this, and God, I'm just praying for that. Sometimes all God wants is for you to be with him, just to enjoy his presence, just to be acknowledging God's presence is here. You don't have to say anything. You know, Anne and I, we've been married for 35 years, and sometimes it's just nice to be with each other and not have to say anything. And so we, we just enjoy presence. And loves crosswords. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of crosswords. But I'll sit next to her while she's doing her crosswords, and it's just nice to be together. She's doing her crosswords and maybe not even acknowledging the amazing presence of a husband. But it's just nice being there. It's just, she's doing her thing. She's concentrating on something else. She'll ask me a question every now and then. And it's like, got no idea what that is. That's okay. <laughs> fine. And, but it's just being together that creates this unity. And it creates something very powerful in life where you can be with somebody, not having to talk, but just enjoying their presence. It's like, I just, just went, we just went on a cruise and we were together 24 hours a day for nine days. And you say, well, how did you go? Did you fight? No, we enjoyed it. We loved it. Matter of fact, when we came home, it was like, oh, we've got to be apart for the next six hours. You say, what after 35 years are like that? Yeah, when you grow and intertwine like that, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. But you know what? That's the way that God wants us to be with him. And that's what prayer does. It connects us to God. You know, there's, I, I find that, that prayer is times when you acknowledge God, where you have deep and meaningfuls. Uh, you know, sometimes you have a dinner party. How many of you like dinner parties? Well, dinner parties, you have other people involved. And so other people have conversation. And sometimes it's good to get to a prayer meeting. Hello, at least once a month. It's good to get to a dinner party with God where a whole bunch of us get together and we just celebrate God and talk and whatever or worship together. We've got an Adore night coming up on the 28th on a Sunday night, 5.30. There's a big dinner party where God's the invited guest. He's the, the, the central guest. And we're all going to celebrate God together. And what a wonderful opportunity is for you to come and make prayer and worship part of what we do. And you know what? It's a beautiful thing to go to sleep with prayer as your companion. You know, I used to worry about falling asleep when I prayed. And, you know, just think about that. What You were praying and you fell asleep plenty of times. Huh? You say, what? Does that happen to you? Do you feel guilty about it? Stop feeling guilty. You say, why is that? Because I think I just heard the other day a speaker from America come to our church and say this, no father ever rebuked his child for falling asleep in his arms. And I was just so impacted by that. You know, matter of fact, God loves it when I fall asleep in prayer. Why is that? Because it just gives that sense of we're together, we're doing life together. Prayer, companionship. Don't make prayer a stranger. Prayer is your friend. Have him as your companion. Have prayer. Because when you pray, it helps you align with the will of God for your life. It just helps that alignment. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Let me, let, me, let me just cap it all off. Are you ready for this? Daniel's three principles that brought him success. He made wisdom his mentor. He made time his friend. And he made prayer his companion. 
And so he's confronting death. Knock on the door. Okay, death sentence has been applied to you. Whoa, quickly, wisdom, come, be my mentor. And so he responded with wisdom. Time, my friend. Hey, King, can you, if you give me a bit of time here, I'm not ready yet, but if you give me a bit of time, then, then we'll see if we find a solution. Okay, pray your companion. God, would you help me? I just need you to intervene in this situation. I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions, but you have. And because he made wisdom his mentor, he made time his friend, and he made prayer his companion, we get to the end of the story and he's showered with blessings. He's made the ruler of the province of Babylon. Success came his way because he knew the principles of getting there. Oh, and my prayer for you is that you might do the same thing. Make wisdom your mentor, make time your friend, and make prayer your companion. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.